We are building, we are building, we are building. What's up, everybody? This is Dr. Joe Daniels, host of the Build Community Through Love podcast, where we highlight efforts and strategies used to empower and grow community through economic development, community development, and education. I'm so excited today for episode number 12. We have a good friend of mine, dear friend of mine. She went to A&T, Aggie Pride. Her name is Brittany Epps. She also goes by Nerd Wonder. Talk a little bit about that once we get into the show. But not only that, Brittany is a sneaker connoisseur. But check this out. Not only does she love fashion, but y'all, she is a software engineer. Now, I think that's the dopest thing ever. Linking the two, you know what I'm saying? She's, she's a coder. She's a software engineer. She's a software developer. But she's a sneaker head, y'all. Sneaker connoisseur. You guys have to check her out. All right, so real quick, let me just read a little bit about her. <clears throat> uh, she is a software engineer for a Unicorn Startup. Uh, in her role at this startup, she develops innovative architectural designs and technical solutions for upcoming features to the e-commerce platform. Uh, Brittany has been thriving in the STEM industry for over nine years, holding a BS in computer science from the one and only the illustrious North Carolina A&T State University, Aggie Pride, and a MS in computer science from the University of Cincinnati. Beyond advancing her coding skills, Brittany is an entrepreneur and an educator. Uh, she's always pushing black business, always pushing business in general, but of course, you know, she's highlighting and really trying to promote the development and the expansion of black owned businesses. To continue, when she isn't partaking in new business ventures, she's giving back to her community by teaching coding and design classes to Detroit's youth or shopping for sneakers. Like I said, Josh, she is a sneaker connoisseur. So let's go ahead and get into this episode. Let's, All do, right, it. let's do it. We are building, we are building, we are building. We are here today with Brittany Epps. What up, though? AKA Nerd Wonder. <laughs> so let everybody who's listening right now know a little bit more about you oh yeah most definitely what's up y'all so Brittany Epps aka Nerd Wonder if you follow me on Instagram Nerdstar underscore 101 um, yeah software developer by, by day also by night I tend to pick up those parts of being a software developer even in my other ventures um, a big STEM educator so right now I'm located in Detroit for the past couple of years so really been Building roots here, you know, trying to understand the the education woes of of kids that look like me and, and how I can help them to, to get to where they want to be and understand everything that's out there. Um, so other things, of course, um, have a couple of ventures, one with my husband, um, Jared. So we uh, help minority businesses get highlighted, get off the ground, get moving within their communities. So we host pop ups. We do um, services such as like helping them with ideations, helping them with images. Um, as well as um, meetups and stuff, just to share knowledge, get the mastermind community flowing um, amongst the African uh, amongst African American community. Um, we also do. Uh, we also have another idea we're working on. I'm actually not going to name drop that. I was messed up, um, but I'll make sure that I post that later on. Um, and then, of course, of course, I'm a big sneakerhead. That's probably another like 50% of my life um, is dealing with sneakers. Um, I'm actually even working on. <laughs> something i know right it's crazy it's like yes engineer tech person blah blah also sneakers um that's one of my major vices besides tech so even educating people around sneakers you know the the history of them the what to buy 
where to find things, stuff like that. So that's me. That's what's up. First, I want to know, where does Nerd Wonder come from? How did it start? Did you coin it? Did someone give it to you? Like, like what's the origination? That's real. So, like, I can't even tell you exactly where it came into play. Because I've been, I've been Nerd Star on, like, Instagram, when I had a Twitter, um, Twitter, stuff like that. I've been Nerd Star since college. Um, I want to say, like, after my sophomore year, I changed it from something else. But I'm not going to say right now because I was a kid saying stupid stuff. So my name was not, it's not appropriate for now. And for like the grown person that I am over 30. Um, but so like I've been a good, I've been nerd star for a good, like, well, I've graduated college almost 10 years ago. So at least almost 10 years. And nerd wonder kind of came somewhere in between that. And just something more I've leaned more in as of like the last year or so, as I'm building more of my personal brand away from like, uh, what Brittany Epps does as far as being a software developer and things like that. Um, and just, you know, something, a nice little point I use. I have it on notebooks and stuff. I I always tell people, like, I love owning the term nerd because that am, that is what I am. Um, and growing up, it's always like, oh, like, oh, you're a nerd and stuff like that. That's not taking great. So I was like, nah, like, I'm a nerd. Like, I I am a nerd. I'm as, as, as nerdy as it comes. But I like to think I bring a little, a little cool, cool little addition to it as well um so yeah i can't even tell you where it came from just something i like and just kept running with dope so let's go i'm shooting right to the 50 percent mm. of what you like and what you're running with shooting straight to it so sneakers okay some people you know they just wear it for comfort you know what i'm saying like some folks go ahead and and this is no knock to folks who buy shoes from walmart you know what I'm saying? But, you know, some For folks real. just get it because they got to get the 9.99, and they, so some folks are worried about price. Some folks are worried about just basic comfort, but don't mind stepping in a puddle. Uh, you know, yeah. some folks like style. Some folks like style. But then the nerd wonder is all about the soul. So, oh, yeah. Oh, Talk about that love for sneakers, and 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 actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a line from uh, uh, Brown Sugar. When did you first okay. fall in love with sneakers? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I now feel like I also want to write a blog titled that, so I'm gonna have to give you credit on that one. But um, but yeah, no, I first fell in love honestly third grade. Like I even remember the sneaker. And it's like, of course, I was wearing shoes before then, like, clearly. But I can't remember any sneaker I had before, like, this particular moment. And it was a pair of Jordan 13s. Like, so, of course, we grew up in the whole 90s era. Um, 96, 97, 98, we're talking second 3P. Um, heavy, heavy, like, okay, he's probably leaving the game after this. Like, I remember the atmosphere. I remember sitting on the couch with my grandfather, my stepdad. Like, it was doubles. I was in Charlotte. And it was still doubles, right? And so, like, I, my stepdad and my baby brother had some Jordans they had grabbed. Um, and I was like, oh, I really want some. So my grandma was like, all right, cool. We're going to get you exactly what they got. I'm like, great. We hit, like, two sneaker stores. And we couldn't find them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, look, Britt, we got one good one. Which, now that I think about it, my grandma was so generous back then to even, like, allow me multiples. Because I remember by the last one, she was definitely like, look, you either going to get these Adidas shell toes or you're going to grab these Jordans. And the Jordans that I ended up grabbing weren't even the same as them. Um, they ended up actually being the playoff Jordans um, that dropped in 1998. So March 1998. Somebody date checked me on that one, but I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah, so he had some playoff Jordans. They're all black leather. 
had the red trim at the bottom. The 13s have the bubble on the side. It's like a little hologram. And back then, holograms, you're like, oh, like this is, this is yeah. special. This is special technology in 97, 98, right? So, mm -hmm. so yeah, no, I remember grabbing them and my mom was like, all right, like don't get them dirty and stuff. I'm like, oh, these special. Like they sat underneath my bed in the box, like my outfit right the next day. Like, all right, I'm about to, about to kill them. And I remember killing it. Like, I really do remember walking down the hall, third grade, going to class, and all, and I was, I was a tomboy, so I was already hanging with the guys, playing basketball and stuff, and all the guys are just like, yo, like, look at Brittany's feet, look at Brittany's feet. And like, I'm not even gonna front, I still, I, I enjoy hearing that. Like, I, I, even now, like, I know because of like, how big how how big I've gotten into sneakers and stuff and people who know me knowing that most of the time when I walk in a room the first thing people look at them are my sneakers like what what sneakers so like it was it was really then I'm like oh, okay like I like sneakers my mom told me to keep them safe told me not to play in them so that I know they're special and then this I was like oh nah like these stay clean, no crease. Like that was really me getting into like no creases and stuff. Mm -hmm. So after that it's forces, it's you know, Tim's and stuff like that. So it, it that really that one sneaker just kicked off my love. And it's just it's been a it's been a battle. I'm gonna be honest. Like it's real hard to, right now to be a sneakerhead. Like I talk to a lot of people about it. Like sneakerhead is not the the market that you see now. Like the oh these Yeezys are five hundred, oh these Jordans are are, are six, seven hundred, like that. It was yeah, it would be a little difficult, but not really. You just had to stay in line for maybe an hour or two. Now people will stand in line for like hours, camp out and stuff. But you stand in line for an hour or two, wake up that morning, maybe like 6, 6.30, be in line by 7, stores open by 9, you're in line, you grab your kicks, you go home, you get your outfit ready for Monday. Now it's like you sit here with a computer, you hope bots don't steal it, you hope resellers who, have, who don't even care about the sneaker don't steal it. And uh, you just hope you get it and you're not having to pay resale for a sneaker that you really wanted. Um, it's just, it's different now. It's different. But uh, my love is still, it's still there, still looking to bring other people to it. Um, so, yeah. That's real. Because I, I swear, like, once a month, it's, it's another drop. I'm like, dang. And, you know, <clears throat> I do get kind of jealous because I'm like, man, I'm trying to match the heck out of these shirts I got. So <laughs> tell me about the latest acquisition that you got, why you got it, and how you about to style it. So crazy crap is, I actually have them right here. Like not even on any plant stuff. Um, so, I mean, this is audio, so you'll see them. Maybe we'll drop some pics. Um, but so yeah, so I went and caught some felines. Um, So I've been really getting into the past couple of years, like everything coordinating, like, not like, oh, I need to match head to toe, but just like a great array of colors that, that go together, that flow well together, right? That bring a good energy, good vibe. So I've been working on like different photo concepts and stuff like that. I did a, a vintage shoot a couple of weeks ago with some, um, some old Reeboks that dropped in 1985. Um, and so, yeah, I'm in Detroit. Somebody was like, yo, Grant Hill just dropped some new kicks with Fila. If you don't know the history of Fila, it's super interesting. It's actually an Italian brand. So Fila actually started off as a high, uh, high fashion Italian brand that, of course, hip hop started taking over, you know, as the rise of the 80s and 90s fashion in New York, which are Dan, your Dapper Dan's and stuff like that. And so, like, 
they they bet a lot of money on Grant Hill being their player to get Eli's off, just like Jordan with Nike, and it just didn't take off. Grant Hill, great player, but he's not. We're not talking like personalities like Allen Iverson, like the Shaquille, like those people whose sneakers like go on and, and do these things. Like questions by Reebok, they still make them. Allen ain't played in years, and they still sell out. So, like, the, the Grant Hill just wasn't the, the super best bet for them. So, Feli didn't do too well, but they decided to bring this out. Um, so, I had to cop. And then right after I copped this, I went to eBay, grabbed me an old Pistons Grant Hill jersey. Same color scheme. So, the, the teal, the red, the yellow, the black. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to do a shoot with them around Detroit in a couple of weeks um, as I'm taking a break in between jobs and stuff. I'm a spend some time playing around with that. Um, but that's been my new thing now, retro kicks and then trying to find like retro stuff to go with them, like the, the vintage and not spend a whole bunch of money on a jersey, but like something slightly used, you know, have fun with it. And then the whole new age shorts with like the brand on the front of it. I'm already, uh, I'm, I'm feeling the vibe. Like I'm, I'm enjoying, yeah. I'm enjoying like, you know, just seeing the energy, you know, the, the whole brain, genius that you that you're putting because i mean it's a new creativity right like there's people who diy their own brand in, in their own fashion but like the, the 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 creativity the the economics behind it right like i'm sure you're not dropping retail dollars for all these shoes so you i mean there's yeah. research that goes behind this like you're using all of your skills to acquire this passion of yours to really make this thing rock i'm i'm vibing I'm vibing. I was going to ask you another question, but we, you know, cause I, I was, I was intrigued, but I, that's going to go down a rabbit hole that we may not be able to get out of. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to let that question rock. But, um, I was fortunate enough to see, I don't know if it was a documentary or not. It may have been a documentary that just came out because they're doing mad sports documentaries while there's no, you know, there's not a whole bunch of sports going on right now. Yeah. And I, I got to see your idol Tinker and they talked about him and how, you know, he he's he's come up and made these shoes. So in preparation for today, um, I got to go to your YouTube channel. Everybody go check it out. And uh, you talk about how Tinker infused like tech and fashion into the making of Air Max. And I don't want to get into that because that's a question for uh, like prior in the next 20 minutes. But <laughs> I want this to be a cool segue. How are you now using tech and your passions and infusing them together to now bring that and introduce and teach this culture of brilliance to the kids in Detroit, teaching STEM, teaching coding, but under the umbrella of, you know, our culture, our love for all these different things. Yeah, so like it's crazy um, because I didn't realize I was doing it probably until about halfway through. Um, because the way I looked at it, I was like, "Look, I'm going to bring my authentic self to the classroom." Like when I'm when I'm going to stand in front of, of 20, 30 kids. Now it's it's on Zoom usually, but still like 30, 40 kids. I'm like, when I'm going to stand in front of them, I'm going to be my authentic self. Like that's that's the only way I could see this working. Like because. Technically speaking, I don't have like a teacher teacher background per se. Like it's something I picked up when I was at A and T, being a supplemental instructor, um, and I just continued continued on with it. So not traditional training. So I'm like, what what can I bring that would be different? That would I feel like would add value? And it's just bringing my authentic self. 
now my authentic self is is sneakers and kids tend to like sneakers like in for us to try to like i've worked with organizations they're like oh let's stay away from like rap music and stuff like that and i'm like well you know there are rappers out here who have their hands in a lot of different investments as far as tech is concerned mm -hmm. like instead of like staying away from those things that you feel like are taking our kids values away like oh they're spending money on material things like caring about sneakers and stuff i'm like use that as a boat to lean into them like to, to get to them in the best way possible so it really started a couple years ago i was teaching a summer camp and i can't remember the first pair i wore that week but a whole bunch of the kids said something so i was like you know what every day i am going to wear a different pair of sneakers every day for two weeks i'm gonna wear a completely different pair you want to see the pair you gotta show up it was just that simple even when they were walking in to sign up it was what shoes does Miss Brittany have on right now? Like if that if that's what it takes just to get you to the next part and be like, all right, now you have this this person who you consider to be relatable and stuff in front of you. They they wear some kicks you like. Maybe eventually you start actually listening to what they're saying, mm -hmm. and you you start understanding like, oh, I can like this and still go and be smart. Like I can I can go and be that nerd, but I, I dress like this or I have sneakers or whatever. Like there are just so many different people I can be and still be interested in STEM. And it doesn't take away from those different things. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I realized even the people I started teaching with, I would find myself like this one um, engineer I teach a lot with, she has a, a pop-up series. So she does a lot of dance for like fitness and stuff. And she'll bring a lot of that to, to what we do with kids and make sure they get 10, 15 minutes of like moving around. And she's very adamant, like, look, I'm a math teacher, I'm an engineer. I also love dance. Like these are all these different pieces of me and look like I'm an engineer. Like, I know this is not what, like when you look at TV and things like that growing up, if you don't know engineers, this is not what you imagine an engineer to be. So I'm like, let me just meet kids where they are because sneakers are black culture. Like, and you can put the other way around, like black, like sneakers are black, like we, for more or less, like I don't, the, the rise of Nike, the rise like can be contributed to African-American athletes, like the rise of, of super brands, honestly, even like your, your high end fashions being a part of like American culture can be contributed to black people, hip hop, things like that. So I'm like, this is culture. Like we're, we're just we're just appreciating who we are and understanding that there's a lot of different images to still be what we want to be. And so like I'm like, if I if kids like the sneakers, then cool. Like I said. I'll bring the sneakers in. I usually show up now virtually. I'll bring like a couple pairs down. Be like, all right, first things first, get to know me. I love Harry Potter, love anime, also love sneakers. Guess what? I code. Like I've been coding for 15 years or whatever. And so like, it's so, oh, cool, cool, cool. I promise you after that, if not all kids, at least a good 20 to 30% who weren't going to listen beforehand are now listening. Mm -hmm. And now, all right, cool. Let me, I showed y'all that passion of sneakers. Now let me show you my passion of, of teaching and of, of coding. Um, and so like, it's just, it's just been a joy. I'm actually working with someone right now to build a program called Code and Kicks um, with the, the Foot Locker staple um, that we have here in Detroit. We have like this massive um, city foot, uh, foot Locker. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Like they only have them in like select cities. So trying to figure out how to like show kids like imagining code and and sneakers and stuff mm -hmm. so it's just like i said like it's just meeting kids where they are like showing them different parts of the culture understanding it's still all a part of the culture um and you can be a lot of different things at the same time yeah 
so from what you're saying, it sounds more like you're giving you're giving kids permission to be their authentic self. Yeah. And still show up and be present and learn, you know, cool things, learn coding. And I mean, and it, it sounds like, you know, it's it's not a it's not it's not fun because a lot of kids have never been given permission, you know, to to be a coder because when they see coding, they don't see you. <laughs> and so you're pretty yeah. much saying, I see, you know, me as a kid in Detroit, I see myself when I see you, but I don't see the coder you. I see who you are because it resembles who I am. And the fact now that you're telling me that you also code, it feels like it's not giving me permission because I'm not like some old white guy who's trying to, you know, force me to learn code. It's like, it's my kinfolk who is who looks just like me and it's gonna mm-hmm. be it's gonna be who I am in the next 10 years. Like I want I want that. Like I'm not trying to have to give up my sneakers for a suit and tie or for a blouse and heels. I want to be able to rock out and still be cool and still be hip and still be able to be me, but still add value to the world through an expertise like coding. And so what challenges are you seeing right now? Um, because typically when you say Detroit, for a lot of people, it's kind of a code word for um, for poor, for um, people who don't care. Uh, the housing market sucks. The, the city filed for bankruptcy several years ago. And so it, there's kind of a negative connotation when people say Detroit. And so what challenges are you seeing? And then after you answer the challenges, what are what value are you adding to continue to build and change that narrative? Most definitely. So, I mean, that major challenge being just the the disparity of education between social economics. Like, I was the STEM board um, from my previous company that I used to work at, and so like we would go into that surrounding community, which is about forty five minutes away from Detroit, um, and go teach and things like that. Um, and just like those kids, like you say things, and they 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 know what you're talking about. Like they're like, oh yeah, like my parents have done this or stuff like that. We're like. I go into like a room in Detroit or what have you, and you don't get that. Like kids are like, oh, I've never heard this term like a day in my life. Like the exposure at different ages is different. Um, sometimes like there, you for like I had to start remembering the the privileges that I have um, and and check myself. Like everybody doesn't have internet at home. Everybody doesn't have a computer at home. And like, it's so easy to get into that. Hey, just go like, look it up. Like, oh, I need y'all to go do this at home. And then you start getting the kids who like, wait, I can't, I can't do that at home. I can try to go to the library or things like that. Or, hey, my parents don't have the ability to help me or things like that. Or even just like, sometimes just the ability to be able to show up consistency, consistently is not an, an ability for some of these kids. Like, hey, I, my mom doesn't have a ride to drop me off today, so I can't come. Um, I, I got that a few times while teaching some, some coding clubs at a couple of different elementary schools. And it's just like trying to remember that and be like, okay, I understand that there are these constraints in your life. Let me figure out how I can still expose you to this, even with that. Right. So like we went into, um, one of the organizations that I'm the coding director for, like we went and found like laptops that we could bring. So like, great, you can't come to the laptop. We have one for you. Like we have that ability now to, to get you in front, to get you used to using a computer, even if you don't have one at home. Like just even like the small things, we don't necessarily think about like creating a folder, copy and pasting. Like if you don't do that on a regular, if that's not a part of your day to day, you don't know how to do that. 
And so like I've, I've worked with high school kids and I'm having to go to what I at least consider for computers like, all right, this is how you find an application on your computer. Like these, these are the things. So like just trying to, to build that gap and bridge that gap there. And then just like just constant, constant exposure. Like, all right, great. I have you here for coding. Let's look at something else now. Like when I was doing a couple different um, coding clubs, I would introduce them to a different technology that would be outside of coding every day. So I'm like, great, I want you to know coding, but I'm more concerned about you understanding all the different things that are out there that are available to you that you can become. Um, the, we, don't, we don't realize it. Well, maybe we do, and I just didn't realize it till late. Representation is just so, it's just everything. Like it's everything. Like you talked about like kids not seeing other developers like that look like me. So like every time I start off with a class, I'm like, hey, by the end of this class, you can consider yourself a developer. Like you were a developer, add it to your resume, go tell your parents. I make a joke about like, you can't go get a job to help out, but still like you are a developer, add that to the things that you call yourself. And then like just realizing after the fact, like talking to parents and stuff and it's like, you don't understand my kid didn't like computers. And now you're telling them they're a developer. So they're showing me different stuff on the computers all of a sudden. And it's just confidence and things like that. Like, like you said, once you break down that shield of not having to be somebody else and being able to come something authentically yourself, then you can worry about the real things that you need to worry about. Like, do I understand this? Not how does this look to everybody else and things like that? Do I understand it? Am I getting the benefit out of it? Um, so as far as what I try to do in Detroit, it's just, honestly, it's be seen as much as possible teaching. Um, I do STEM panels. Um, I work with African-American Museum here. I work with the Michigan Science Center here doing a few different things. Um, I'm holding, hosting a virtual pajama event for about 40 young girls a couple Fridays from now. Um, in the evening, we're gonna have like a DJ and stuff like that. Like just a nice little mix of, okay, we're coding. All right, we're jamming. Okay, we're coding. Um, and it's just like constantly making sure I'm, I'm putting it myself in that position to share my passion. Like I really am just as passionate for development as I am for sneakers. I might actually be a little bit more, which don't tell my sneakers. Um, but like I, I really, I, I try to bring both to the table and try to make it like, all right, you see me. Like you can't say, I don't know, blah, blah. no, you see me. I am very everywhere. Like I really try to be like absolutely everywhere. Um, and, and just try to bring that passion and be like, all right, I understand your, your constraints and stuff. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's understand. Let's get to a point where I can give you something that, that kind of, you know, forget all, forget all of that stuff. What can I give you that will help you grow even with, you know, what you have available to you? Um, and that's really just been the biggest thing in Detroit is just understanding that and then how to work within it. So you're building kids to grow up to believe that they're unstoppable. Most definitely. That they are Most unstoppable. Most definitely. So we're gonna- start I said, we gotta start then, you gotta start as kids. Otherwise, it's a whole different battle trying to convince yourself of that as an adult. Absolutely, absolutely. And so we're about to move into the segment called Take Me Into Your Classroom. This segment is uh, to take a deep dive into a project that you're really working on, something that you're, you're working on, and let's get you know deep into the weeds so we can understand what it is and what you're doing. So like I said, you're building uh, the confidence of children so that they can become unstoppable in whatever they take. And the cool thing about that is you are a part of the creation of the Unstoppable Movement. The Unstoppable Movement. I have merch. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I got my uh, Juneteenth merch of the Unstoppable Movement. And so, first of all, tell everybody, what is the Unstoppable Movement? Yeah, so the Unstoppable Movement is a, a space, really, that me and my husband wanted to build and grow because it was a space that we needed like years and years ago like ever since college i've been in this cycle of of creating of of having ideas creating businesses around those ideas and then growing them to fruition or or maybe like all right i learned something from this pass it to the side go to the next one um and so we just realized everything that we've learned over the past couple of years it'd be better if we could just talk about it with other people and we were already having those conversations at our home like I remember a couple of Saturdays, people would come with laptops to, and we would say like, all right, this is how you register your business in the state of Michigan. Like these are the things you need to look at if you're really talking about trademarks and, and things like that. So we were just like, why not, you know, why not open that platform even more um, and see if we can reach even more of uh, black entrepreneurs really. So that's really what Unstoppable Movement is really just, like I said, trying to build a community um, a mastermind community within the African-American community of entrepreneurs trying to help people. Hey, you have an idea. Great. How, what's the cheapest way for you to get your idea out and show proof that it can work? And then how do you grow that with what you have available to you? And then how can we help you get spot, spotlighted and highlighted um, throughout your community? So people know like, oh, this person makes soaps and stuff. Now, you know, a black owned soap maker, like how do we start plugging in those gaps and, and helping people find each other? For those things that we feel like we have to go outside of our community to get because we don't think anybody inside our community offers it um that's that's more or less what unstoppable is um and honestly it's just it really started off as something that me and jared needed for ourselves and then we're like well if we need this everybody else probably does too um which is usually how a lot of ideas start off anyways you, you think about what you need and you try to figure that out and then see if it can be applied to more people you know, it's real. And I think uh, there's a project th that you guys have that you put on. Uh, it's called, um, what is it called? Uh, Startup Woes and, and Flows. Yeah. Like, what is that? I mean, that sounds, that sounds super intriguing. Like, take me to an actual, like, like the actual event itself. Yeah. So before everything happened, um, we were doing this in Black-owned coffee shops around Detroit. Um, now, one thing that, you know, bringing it virtually did open up was the ability for other people to join that weren't in Detroit. And that's that's been great as well. Um, but usually, if we were in a coffee shop in Detroit, one, we make sure that everybody patrons the business. Like that's, we're already doing one thing by making sure that we're circulating that, that African-American dollar at a coffee shop, um, at a black owned coffee shop. So. So that would be the thing we everybody introduces themselves talk about their idea brief description of their business if they have one or their idea um and then we really talk about what are your wins so it's super easy to focus on the things that you feel like you don't get mm -hmm. first but like what are your flows like what are those things where you're like yo i did this or this happened for my business and it was the the best possible thing for my business or for me personally or whatever like what do you feel like are those things that, that have you on the right path? Um, and then Woe's just being like, all right, so what are those things that you feel like you need to work on? And then when we're talking about those, that's really when we look to have a lot of community sharing. Because the thing is, like, I try to get into a place, um, I feel like the smartest people learn not only from their mistakes, but also from the mistakes of others. 
Mm -hmm. um and so i love hearing the stories um and like all right like this person did this lost a million dollars then they came back and did this and gained like i love those stories so i can figure out what not to do on my end before i actually have to go and not do it and suffer so like we really looked at like all right so you have this particular problem as far as like understanding your target audience you know who let's talk about like how other people have have figured out ways to figure out you know who their target audience is um, in the, in the process around that. So using those woes to like really get into a mastermind community type of sharing, um, where we can leverage each other's experiences to grow our own businesses. Um, so we do that. And then we always, um, we usually end with a goal by the end of the week or a challenge, like, Hey, challenge yourself to, to create some type of content that you've been hesitant about creating. Like a lot of what I hear from other people, especially in the social media age, it's like, well, I took these pictures, I wanted to post them, but it didn't feel like the right time, or I posted it, it didn't get the response I thought, so now I'm not going to do that ever again, yeah. things like that, and it's just like, you have to, you have to let something live a little bit longer than the, the couple of seconds, you know, that you put it up, and you have to understand that, that each thing is like a path to getting to the bigger part, like, you don't start off with 100 likes, you probably start off with five, and then, you know, you, you grow from there, um, so really just trying to leverage each other's experiences and, and grow how do you build this type of community that you're in now? Like, do you, you find people and invite them? They find you and, and want to join? Like, how, how has this thing, I guess, developed organically over, over time? So, um, as always, the cheapest marketing is word of mouth. Um, and that's really how we've just grown this business in general. Um, me and Jared have a, a great network. Um, that we, we've grown from, from A&T and outside. I lived in Cincinnati for a few years. And then now being in Detroit, we have a great network here. So it's, it really is a lot of word of mouth and, and people maybe already following us, already following the Unstoppable Movement on Instagram um, and seeing those posts up or just having conversations with us and being like, oh, that's something I'd like to check out. And then being a return, a return person to that event happens as well. So it really is just that that word of mouth getting it out there. Um, now, when we do like our our pop up series where we're looking for vendors and things like that, we more so go to like community forums and, and other organizations um, that probably have the what we're looking for as far as like entrepreneurs who are selling things within that city. Um, but for the most part, yeah, just just word of mouth. So then, why is it so important that you know we as a community support our own black owned businesses, and then? You know, why is it important for us to highlight um, the successes and even some of the, um, I don't really want to call them failures, but lesson learns from from Black business owners? Yeah. I mean, just because we have to, there's so many like stigmas around Black-owned businesses that we just, we've got to get away from so that they can succeed. Like we should, we should have more numbers, honestly, is at the end of the day what it really is like. I live in, in Detroit. And so like you go to the different neighborhoods and stuff where, you know, people of other, other nationalities own the things that are in our neighborhoods. Like, and then we, we need to, to reach out to them to, to receive jobs and things like that. So why not, why not cut out the middleman? Now why, why not create the environments and the spaces where we can hire um, and we can make sure that we are given the opportunities because we're giving ourselves those opportunities. Um, that's, that's the really, but the big thing with everything is just making sure that we, we have to circulate. We have to understand that, that value other ethnicities, other cultures understand it. Um, that's why you, you see your, your Chinatowns and, and things like that, where these people come together, um, and build a community and make sure that they can employ each other, 
Um, like I go, when I go to other parts of Detroit, like you see, like you'll see the language, um, you'll see like signs change into different languages and things like that. Um, you'll see the people that work there. Like I remember being in LA um, and going to, I want to say it's Koreatown and like we're going to a Korean hot pot uh, place and everybody works there is is more or less a Korean or of Asian descent and like because they employ themselves like they build those opportunities and we always are trying to find opportunities so why not get into a place where we can start building it we can start hiring ourselves um, and, and hiring those who we know are qualified but because of everything else going on just haven't been given the opportunity um, I, I don't know I'm in I'm in the process of like trying to find solutions um, I, we, we got a lot of stuff going on as far as just like a people and I'm just like, where, where can we build solutions at? Where can we really start building these pipelines that we know we need in order to, to, to a certain extent, have our own, um, the wealth gap between cultures is just too, it's just too damn, it's too damn big. And our growth as far as a people has, is just not up to where it should be as far as everybody else is concerned and, and how they've been able to grow over the past generation. So I'm like, what can we do? We got we to gotta do something. Nah, for sure. So I'm in the desk now. Walk up to either the chalkboard, dry erase, whatever you want to deal with it, however you want to call it. Uh, what are the top five mistakes that people should avoid when trying to start a business? Cool. All right. Top five, top five, top five. All right. So we're going to go uh, numbers. Okay. So I'm not putting these in numbers, just top five things in general. Um, one like understand who your audience is like and then understand your percentage of that particular market um i definitely would say is a big one a lot of people don't necessarily understand who they're creating it for and you can be like oh i'm doing this for a teacher or say like maybe you're building a solution on that but unless you've talked to teachers and like really gotten their input and things like that you're not really building a solution for them you're building a solution for yourself um so really understanding your target audience is probably gonna save you a lot of, uh, of pain down the line. Um, actually, I will rank this one. This one's gonna be number one. So the next one is, um, the next one that I, I wanna actually make like the number one is you don't need a lot of money to start something. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people think like, oh, like I need to like run up a credit card or things like that to, to get a business off the ground or, or, or drain my savings or things like that. I mean, if you have the savings and stuff, great, but like even then, you wanna limit the amount of money that you put in for that first product that you get out, right? That, that, that MVP, right? Not most valuable, um, but minimal viable product, right? Like what can you get out there quickly so that you don't lose the momentum of like wanting to do something like that? That initial motivation is never gonna be stronger until you, of course, start seeing things like progress and stuff, but until you get there, you got to go off that, I really want to do this type of energy, right? So like, what can you do to get, to use all of that energy and not use all of your account um, to get something out that you can say, all right, this works. Now let me go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Like people don't, um, actually, I guess this goes into my next one. People don't drop 20 products and say, I really hope everything takes off. Like make sure that you focus yourself. Um, one of my pitfalls on a regular is that I dream super, super big. I want to do everything right then and there. Um, and I've had to learn over the course of, of different businesses that I've learned from that I've had or been a part of that it really is a lot of value and focus um, and bringing everything together. So if you're trying to drop a lot of products, start off with like a two or three type range at the most. 
and get those out there. Get the generation going, understand your customer. Um, that'll help you get a better profile so you can say, all right, my next product, I can drop with research numbers now, right? I can drop and say, well, customers told me 33% wanted this color, 5%, like you can, you have data to back that up. Um, one, two, three, I think I'm at four, um, mm -hmm. even though I might be at five. Um, so four, um, Ooh, this one, this one, this one. Let's see. I'm trying to decide. So, ah, okay. So four is build a team and it may not be your friends. Um, very, definitely be very caref careful with leveraging friends and things that have particular skills. Um, yes, they may be great at those skills. They just may not be great at those skills the way you want them to and the way you want your business um, to go. So, so definitely be wary of that. Um, I try to keep those, those relationships sometimes separate. If I see like we've worked together previously well, then I'll, I'll bring it up. And I do have a few people like, I'm always like, hey, I got an idea what you think. Um, so, so making sure, oh, and actually, so then the last one from that one is have you a personal board of directors? Like don't, if you can have a mentor, have a mentor. If you can have a couple people as a sounding board, um, that will probably give you somewhat biased opinions because they know you, but will tell you the no when you need to build that around you sooner than later. Um, I feel like a lot of my beginning of my career, I, I did everything in a tunnel. Um, I went off of what I knew and things like that, which is great, except you can't get to the next phase based off of what you already know, because you'd already be there because you already know it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's more knowledge, there's there's different knowledge that you need for that next phase. Um, and don't be afraid to, to leverage people, um, and especially your, your board of directors to, to help you get there and to kind of to guide you and tell you like, nah, that don't make any sense. And sometimes once people say that, you'd be like, all right, you don't see the vision yet, that's cool, but a lot of times you may just need to be like, all right, let me sit back, let me think, um, and let me let me make sure that everything is adding up or, you know, before I die on this hill. Um, and let me let me maneuver myself and put myself in a better position. I feel like I have a lot more than five to drop, but I'm gonna go with those five. I like that. That's very valuable. Especially the one about building a team because Do it. Working working by yourself, man, I can tell you from being in school for over twenty years, working by yourself is only an academic feature. It's not, yeah. a, it's not an entrepreneurial or business feature. It's just an academic yeah. feature because you can work in a group, but if the group sucks, you'll get a bad grade. I understand that from being an academic, but when you get out in the real world, <laughs> you need to be in a space where you're, you're valuing other people's gifts uh, and time. Because, I mean, if, you do, if you're trailing by yourself, you're never going to get nowhere because it just takes too long. And then, yeah. and then it gets to what you said at the beginning, like that burnout phase can be, can be a lot if you put all this stuff in, you're not seeing any returns. So yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I appreciate it for uh, allowing, to, for, for you allowing me to be inside your classroom. I appreciate it. It had AC in there too, so I'm, I'm real thankful. <laughs> real <laughs> thankful. All right, so we're gonna move on to the segment called 100 Cups of Coffee. This was a project I did uh, in 2019 where I tried to sit down and have uh, cups of coffee with 100 people. Uh, this was a way of just building relationships um, and not having an ask. When you're trying to build relationships and there's an ask involved, it kind of taints the, the whole relationship building because I'm only there because I want something from you. But being able to just yeah. say, I just want to sit down and get to know who you are to understand like, what does nerd wonder really mean? And so those are just some cool things 
uh, that you get to have when you're sitting down and having coffee. But the other cool thing is you get to learn some cool things about folks that you would never have learned if you're only in a business environment. So in yeah. this segment, I get to ask you a couple questions it's off the dome, just to learn a little bit more about you and just to kind of right. see what's going on. So you said Air Maxes were your favorite over the Jordan brand. So if that is true, yeah. what is your all time favorite shoe as of 2020? All right, so <laughs> my all-time favorite shoe is a Jordan 1. It's an off-white, the UNC off-white Jordan 1s. It's my favorite all-time shoe, even though it just dropped two years ago. But it's the pinnacle of, of a lot of different things. The mm. Tinker Hatfield of the Jordan 1, of Virgil, even though he's been acting funky the past couple months. Um, just being a Black designer um, in a very much so, crazy enough, a, a white designer space, like, even with sneakers, it's still very much so white. So, so yeah, so that's definitely, that's my favorite shoe right now. Ooh. Are you, ooh, okay. Now, now. You see it. What's your favorite color wave right now? It, it doesn't have to be all time, just right now. What's your favorite color wave? Mm -hmm. It's just so cliche. Must I? Bread. Like, you just... Any bread Jordan is just like, it's top notch. Like for real, for real, any bread, any bread colorway works. Nice, nice. Okay, we're gonna move away from sneakers. Uh, what is your most rewarding moment when teaching STEM to children in Detroit? My most rewarding moment is when I had a repeat kid in two of my workshops I did for website development. And by the second time that he came to class, I actually let him start teaching. He was uh, 10 years old. I let him start teaching some of the parts of website development to the other kids. Um, and that's something I kind of want to go more towards teaching kids to a point where they can teach others. Because while I try to be as relatable as possible, there's nothing more relatable than somebody exactly your age explaining something to you. Um, so yeah, that's been my most rewarding, just seeing him get up there and teach and being like, I taught him that and now he's teaching them that. Like that's, that's why I do this. That's powerful, that's what's up. Okay, what does the Unstoppable Movement have in the bag right now that you're allowed to tell everybody what's coming down the pipeline? That's really hard. Uh, oh, actually, no, it's not. Um, we've been talking about this for a minute, so definitely going to implement this in the second half. Uh, book club. Um, so just getting into particular books. Um, I'm looking at one right now, which is literally called uh, Building a Story Brand. Um, so this got recommended to me, um, and I tend to like just tell people what I'm reading, and we tend to eventually read it together. So we were just like, why not turn it into like a, a formal thing, have book club meetings and things like that. So be on the lookout for that entrepreneur book club, just trying to grow everybody's knowledge together, discuss it and, and figure out what works for our businesses. Dope. Last question. What's the one thing that you learned about yourself during COVID-19 and during quarantine? That I can do, this is going to sound so cliche, but it's so real. I, that I can do a lot of different things. Um, but if it's like learning how to build things around the house, like we built a bar outside and I realized halfway through that we built a cabinet and a table. And I was like, wait a second, if we, can we open up a furniture business? I'm not opening up a furniture business yet. <laughs> um, I, I keep, it's funny because as soon as it happened, Jared looks at me and goes, 
are we going to make, no, we're not making anything else into any more businesses just yet. Um, so that, and then just like really diving into things that I've not allowed myself to be a part of. So art, like you see all the containers right there. It's all art stuff. Um, whether it's sneaker customizations, I've really got into over quarantine. I've been like YouTubing it like crazy um, and started doing my own. So getting more so into sneaker design and things like that, just that like I can get away from a screen and still feel happy um, has been like the one thing I've learned, which is crazy because I'm at home more. So I'm like, there's all these screens, but it's been a lot of like turn off, play some music, paint, work on some sneakers, work on some clothing, been thrifting a lot, yard sales. Um, yeah, it was just like really like anything you can allow yourself to be, you really can. Like I kept, I used to tell myself all the time, like, you don't, you don't like coloring. You don't, you don't like drawing. You're not good at it. Like, just let it go. And I just like, all right, I'm letting it go. And then I got bored and was like, let me just try some stuff. And then found a, a nice hobby that I'm trying to grow some more. So being able to explore my love for sneakers and like another aspect of like really designing and, and playing around with colors and stuff. Um, I don't know, just keep, keep opening myself to different things during quarantine and see what shakes. Dope. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We're going to move on to our last segment. This segment is called Just a Minute. Um, yeah. Every time I open up, and uh, I enjoy keynote speaking, I enjoy public speaking, I enjoy uh, speaking to motivate, to encourage. Um, and I remember when I was in high school, a guy by the name of, um, oh, man, his name is Willie Jolly. And he came in, and I was in 11th grade. I remember sitting at uh, Springbrook High School, and he came up and he said, I, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in. And I'm like, oh, this is dope. Like, I like this. And so I kind of understood the origins of this quote. And, like, it brings a certain level of energy when I'm uh, uh, providing content, whether it's, you know, through a keynote speech, through some kind of public form of, uh, of some type. Um, but I, I enjoy it because it allows me to intertwine that with being able to motivate, being able to encourage. And so this last segment is to give you two plus minutes uh, to encourage okay. our audience, to motivate our audience, uh, to inspire. It doesn't matter who you want to, just go ahead and provide some kind of uh, inspirational message for those who are listening. All right, cool. So it's crazy growing up. I feel like a lot of us were told, some of us were told we can be a lot of different things, whereas maybe we didn't necessarily hear that um, from other people. And so I like I found as we move through life, especially like our generation, the friends that um, that some me and you share and things like that. Um, and just in general, like we've done, we've had to do a lot of work to backtrack a lot of or some of the things that maybe we were taught um, in our adults that doesn't necessarily make sense to us now. Um, and so honestly, my, my word of encouragement is just keep going through. Like I know right now we're all trying to figure out ourselves. We're trying to figure out how we can impact the world, how we can make things different. So we don't have the, the continuous anguish that we've had, especially over the last few months, um, with the deaths of Breonna Taylor, um, as well as just the past few years, you know, dating back to at least what I can really, really remember, you know, really sparking with Trayvon Martin, um, and things look a little bleak right now, but I promise there are a lot of different things that we can do as far as the people to make a change. And it really is just you trying to figure out exactly what it is that you want to do to make that change. Um, and then just leaning into it. Don't listen to the no's. Don't listen to the where there's a lot of people in that right now. 
Um, and I know a lot of, shout out to my entrepreneurs who are listening, a lot of us probably hear that, like, nobody needs another lipstick brand, nobody needs this, that, and the third. What we do, we need you, we need you to bring your authentic self to the front of the classroom. We need you to teach the world what you can bring. Um, and we need you to lean into that authentic self even more than you may already have. Um, forget everything that you've been taught as, an, as a kid. Guess what? You're an adult now. I'm really big on my friends of, of letting those things go um, and, and learning how to move forward and learning ourselves in that process. So like I said, just bring your authentic self to the table. You're worthy. You're worthwhile. What you have matters. Um, make sure that you know it. Make sure everybody around you knows it. Um, and come on, because we need you in order to move the, 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 the community, in order to move our generation, in order to move our culture. We need you and your authentic self. So come on. Nice. Keep going through. Well, thank you. Through. The Nerd Wonder. How can people find you and stay connected? Most definitely. So best place, as always, is Instagram. Um, so Nerd Star, just spelled as is, N-E-R-D-S-T-A-R. I think I'll make that a song now, underscore 101. Um, so hit me up on Instagram. I answer DMs. I do all that stuff. Um, also, I have an email that I can't remember at this moment, but I'm pretty sure it's, oh, thenerdstar101 at Gmail. Um, so feel free to email me there um, as well. I have a Twitter. I'm barely on there. Don't, don't hit that. That's pointless. Um, I've been sitting on a website for a minute, but I haven't done anything with it, but it is BrittanyLEpps.com. Um, so maybe I'll start playing around with those during quarantine to build those out a little bit more. But yeah, Instagram's your best bet. Um, have a podcast called Human Blacks Out. So check that out. Um, Joey, I need you on that. Um, yeah, that's, Absolutely. that's about it. On. And then for those entrepreneurs who are ready to, you know, get into a mastermind environment for those who want to build, continue to learn from other others uh, who have done different things for the better, for the worst. How can they get informed and into the mix of the Unstoppable movement? Most definitely. So Instagram, the Unstoppable, um, MVMT, all together, no underscores. If you type the Unstoppable, you will most likely find us at the top. Um, so yeah, that as well as the UnstoppableMovement.com, again, still MVMT, um, as well as our Eventbrite page. So you can also look on there, the Unstoppable Movement. Um, we do a lot of free events. Most of our events are free. Um, the only thing is to sign up to be a vendor for our pop-up series that, of course, right now we're not doing. Um, but maybe we'll figure out a virtual way to, to have that. But, um, but yeah, that's the best way to find us there. DM us. You want to be, we're doing Entrepreneur Corner highlights. So highlighting a different entrepreneur every few weeks. So if you would like to be highlighted, please feel free to reach out. Um, advocate for yourself. Like make sure you're reaching out to places and stuff. Be like, hey, I want to be highlighted. Worst thing they can do is say no. Um, so reach out to us. We're not going to say no. Um, we'll just find you a date. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Brittany Epps, Nerd Wonder, over and out. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode on the Build Community Through Love podcast. Subscribe on all platforms to stay up to date with new episodes. Also, stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Build Community Through Love. And visit our website at buildcommunitythroughlove.com. Let's keep working, y'all. And if someone asks, tell them we're building.